Welcome to Out With Dan, the podcast that spotlights and examines the voices of LGBTQ authors, characters, and our allies. Together, we lift our voices and we tell our stories. I'm Dan White. Join me as I chat with this week's author. Hello, and welcome back to Out With Dan. Today, I'm very excited to talk to May Cobb, or as her handle says, Killer May. Welcome, May. Thank you so much, Dan. I'm so happy to be here with you. Thank you. I enjoyed this book so much. It's called A Likeable Woman, and it is out now. It is um, it is deliciously wicked. It's a great thriller. Are all of your books this way? Yeah, I feel like they are. Uh, my previous two novels, The Hunting Wives and My Summer Darlings, they were even more sort of salacious and <laughs> booze-laden and debaucherous. And uh, this one, I tried to do have some of that like crazy East Texas element, but then also I wanted to do more of like a traditional Agatha Christie close circle mystery, uh, just as a kind of a challenge to myself. Well, it was it was delicious and wonderful. So let's talk about East Texas. So this is where the book is set. Um, I feel like we really, really get an exact idea of what East Texas is like from your book. But I also feel like we could pick up this location and drop it off in Minnesota or Iowa, as long as, you know, the dynamics stayed the same. Do you feel like that's something you were intent on doing? I was. I always, um, uh, this is my fourth novel and they're all set in East Texas, but I was trying to make sort of that going back home story feel as universal as possible. I, I, I mean, I think you totally nailed it. I mean, we have aspects of family, old friends, secrets, and these are the things that, of course, we, we encounter in everyday life but what makes such a great mystery. So give us a little setup about what the story is about. Yeah, so, and I just have to hold up, I love this cover so much. They really knocked it out. Um, uh, I agree. Yeah, so a likable woman follows Kira, who's a 30-something woman, and she's living in Los Angeles, like you, Dan. Yes. And she, um, she's, she fled her tiny East Texas town a couple of decades ago in the wake of her, you know, provocative mother's mysterious death. Everyone told her she was a teenager that, you know, her mother Sadie had committed suicide, but Kira never believed it. Um, she and her mom, Sadie and Kira were best friends, simpatico. They both made art together. Uh, you know, soulmates, if that word, you know, means something that that's what they were. And, um, she and her mother was about to have her first art showing and then she died. And so Sadie was just never, I mean, Kira never believed that, that her mom would do that, but everyone around her was just, the gaslight was on. Yes, she did. You're crazy. So she left, she never wanted to go back. Um, but then her, her frenemy has <laughs> out party and she sends her an invitation and then her grandmother granny foster who's this sort of like manipulative matriarchal character starts texting kira and says are you coming home you might want to because i have something of your mother something she was keeping in secret and i think you're right about the way she died so that's kind of the setup and it's a book within a book because 
what the grandmother has is an unpublished memoir of Sadie's that does have clues in it. It's it's wonderful because there are all these things to lure Kira back and she doesn't want to go. And I find that, you know, in, in looking back, there are things that we experienced years earlier that inform who we are today. And we might not want to go back. I mean, there are plenty of things in my life. I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I don't want to hang out with these people. But then something comes along and you've done such a masterful job at giving Kira a reason that she has to go back, even though she definitely doesn't want to. She has a, she, oh, thank you. So she has a sister, Katie, who is older than her. Is that, I believe Katie's a little older, right? Yeah. She's like two years older. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because I, I really began to think about the people I've met along the way and, you know, suicide or murder, both of those things are really big time and it really does change everyone's path. The path they're going on is changed. And these sisters are so very different. Katie says, okay, this is the story. I'm sticking with it. Kira says, this doesn't feel right. And I, I, I enjoyed the dynamic between the two sisters. Did you have fun writing those? I really did. Thank you so much. Um, I did. And I, I also, I worked with a freelance editor and she was really pushing me to dig deep with that relationship. So as you know, like, it's like a simmering pot that eventually boils with the two. And, um, and I liked sort of the notion of in families, like you said, when there's a tragedy, it changes people. But also I feel like sometimes battle lines can be drawn in family. So, you know, Katie was daddy's girl and Kira was mama's girl. So they were already divided and, and then boom, this happens. And are they ever going to get their relationship back? You know? And I, I, I do think that in real life, you know, that really does mirror what happens. Not every sibling, as I, my mom used to say, not everyone's the Osmonds. I mean, it just doesn't quite work that way. You know, my mother and her sister, 60 years, they didn't talk to each other. Wow. They just hated each other. And I saw so much of, you know, the, as you say, the battle lines are drawn. Yeah. And I also think if you stay where a tragedy has occurred or you escape, that also forms the character. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Oh, I didn't think about that. I love that. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, you know, when you stay in a smaller town, you have to conform or else you stand out. And Sadie stands out. I find that what you've done also with Sadie and the people in Sadie's um, age bracket, you've given them voices of whether they were Sadie's friend or not. And I think that's a very powerful thing in that. What was your favorite older character outside of Sadie to write? Gosh, that's a great question. Um... I would probably say the Mike character. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it. And, and all, but also Granny Foster. I had, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so I, and with Granny Foster comes money. 
And money is something that I know that in some of your other novels, the class system has been has been very large. Here again, we have this system of those who have money and those who don't have money. I think that in a city like Los Angeles, sometimes that gets lost. I think in a place like Longview, it's very obvious who has and who doesn't have. Yes, yes, absolutely. Do you, do you have fun writing the class distinction? Yeah, I guess I'm obsessed with it. Someone asked the other day and I was like I guess I really do um and I think part of that's probably like my childhood like for for a hot minute <laughs> my very middle class parents were socialites and it's such a long story and I won't go into it but it was sort of like uh like in the 70s you could live in a small town and maybe if you owned a business the banks would loan you money type of thing and so you might look like you're in a certain class that maybe you're not and not that there's anything shady. I can never like show this one to my parents, <laughs> but they would go to like, you know, like the junior leagues charity ball and they would, you know, and they um, were very much running in those circles. And then the recession hit, their divorce happens. And then all of a sudden, like my mom's kind of operating like a single mom working the graveyard shift at the hospital. We're living in a completely different house. You know, and so I, I was very aware of that shift and sort of, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of oil money in East Texas and we never had access to that. But <laughs> maybe I would go to a slumber party at one of those houses and I was always like, "Ooh, what is this <laughs> crazy? And so I just I think it's fascinating, um, especially when you're in this like. Like you said, you can tell in Longview. So you're in this like, um, like little, like little pond, and you have these big fish, and and then sometimes it's just evil. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. I, you know, I also find that generational money is different than new money. Yeah. So new new money sort of puts you trying to be in the club with old money. Old money is very different. Old money doesn't have to brag about it because they have it. They yeah. never think it's ever going away. And if it does go away, then, of course, that's a whole different book, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that, no, I love that. That's You're so right. It's a completely different vibe. Yeah. I also, the art of touch is something that I saw run all through your book that I don't know whether it was intentional or not, but... A lot of people don't like to be touched. A lot of people like to be touched. I'm a hugger. Not everyone's a hugger. And that is something that I noticed that you're, you have fastened your characters to touch in different ways or not want to be touched. Um, so now I have to ask you, are you a hugger? <laughs> I'm a hugger, man. So here's my virtual hug. <laughs> oh, thank you. Did you, uh, was that intentional or is that just something that happens organically with your characters? Because it, it was very big to me. I, I really, really appreciated it. I love that you're saying that. I love, I'm, I'm just, I'm having the best time talking to you about my book. I, I honestly didn't think about it. So yeah, it just happened organically. Yeah. There is, I'm, I also want to quote a line that I wrote down because I was just so impressed by it. And it, Grief is a scar tissue and mine is ripped open. And I felt all of Kira and I mean, I felt Kira the entire book, but I really felt that. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about grief and how that factors in 
I mean, you've talked some about it, but. Yeah, I feel like for Kira, part of her, uh, you know, character arc and journey, and I didn't realize this till I was like maybe a third into the book. And I was like, okay, this is her real, this is the emotional journey she's on. She has got to realize that her life is at a standstill. It's frozen. And when she lost Sadie, that was like her moment of arrested development. So she has to, and I think she's aware of that, but she's not aware that she's carrying around survivor's guilt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She has to have this awakening in order to go, okay, my mom would have never wanted me to stay stuck like this. What have I been doing? I need to move just because her dream died. She would never want this. She wouldn't want my dream to die. So I've got to process the grief and get, you know, beyond it so I can live this life that, yeah. And it was, it was unique guys also, you know, in, in the voices around Kira. So you've set up all through the book, these people that she's not a hundred percent sure whether they're on her side or not. And we see, we see some of the characters shift, which was, I think is a natural thing that happens in life. She did have some people along the way say to her, you know, you sort of got to snap out of it. And yet it wasn't always the people I thought would say that. So I, I, it was fun to navigate through that. Thank you. So now I want to talk about, because this is near and dear to my heart. This sadly will probably tell a lot more about me than anyone needs to know. I love Valium, and I just love the fact that Valium shows up in this book. My mother was a true believer in Valium, and she sort of passed it on to me. So I want to talk a little bit about, because I know that you've talked on other interviews about um, drinking and stuff. So this is something that let's talk about coping mechanisms. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, first of all, I think Valium is a good drug. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> it, it really takes the anxiety away. And I feel like in Sadie's era, which was, it was the early nineties. And I know that I gave her a seventies vibe and I've been knocked a little bit about that over on Goodreads that <laughs> in a small town pre-internet, it did feel like that still in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, other than maybe there's an old Navy to shop at and not just like the vintage store. Um, but uh, that was her coping mechanism were those pills. I mean, she's in an abusive marriage verbally and physically. And, you know, she's already like many artists, you know, higher frequency, higher, strong, more sensitive. And so she does over. So Sadie's story for the people that are listening, I said it over the last summer of her life. I wanted to give her story some sort of framework plot wise so that it wasn't just this rambling memoir. Um, But it's, there's a lot going on that summer. She's, you know, kind of hooking up with this guy that seems like a kindred spirit and she feels like she's being watched and we don't know who the watcher is. So yes, so she's got her prescription going and that's her coping mechanism and writing this memoir, which is kind of like a confessional to her daughter. It's her safe space because she can't really, she doesn't, she's that one true friend, but is she really? Mm-hmm. And she doesn't feel like she can share a lot with a lot of people. So. And I think that there again, as I said earlier, it, it mirrors real life for a lot of people. I mean, I don't, 
there are things I share and things that I keep to myself. And I think if you are, as Sadie is in your character in this book, is, as you say, vibrating on a higher frequency, it is difficult. And I find that in, in communities, small or large, but in our circle of friends, there are people who applaud us and there are people who are jealous. And of course, how that comes out is what affects all the way we all behave. Absolutely. It's so interesting. Um, it's so interesting how sometimes we have to be on our guard, even when we have wonderful news to share. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, you know, yikes. Are you my friend? Are you my <laughs> Wild. So you have included a special needs child in Aiden. And I will say that reading um, the scenes that Aiden is in, I was so impressed by the job you did. Congratulations on that. Was Aiden a character you wanted to include from the beginning or did Aiden come into the story along as you were writing it? Thank you for saying that. I tried to be very sensitive. Um, Aiden is uh, severely autistic, as is my own son. And so it was very, it, it, it kind of came out in the beginning because I wanted to show that the Jack character has a lot going on in his life. And it's, um, it's a real challenge for him. And I also, you know, you know, we talk about representation. There is a lot more representation of autism. There's not still about the more profound cases. And I still feel like it's an invisible disability. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when we go out in public, it's like open season. You either get people that really understand or there's still just like a, a huge lack of awareness. And I'm not faulting the public for that. But so I do... I feel very passionate about, you know, one day I'd love to write a mystery where the, you know, the sleuth is autistic. Um, anyway, I'm veering off track, but yeah, it was, no. uh, I knew I wanted it and I wanted to be sensitive about it because even though I'm the parent of an autistic child, I'm not autistic myself. So I'm still a little nervous about the reception of that trail because I didn't, as you can tell, pull any punches with it. I showed it in all its challenging um, glory. <laughs> <laughs> well, May, I want, I really do want to say that that was something that was very impressive to me because it, it is easy for someone who isn't in that situation to not understand. It is, it's nice to have allies who do understand and try to be supportive where possible. But I think that you gave such a lovely description and it must be difficult to describe it to that detail, but it, it added a lot of humanity to this book for me. I felt as if I saw exactly what you described and I just, I really do commend you for that because I thought that was excellent. Really, Thank really excellent. Thank you. That means a lot. It really does. So now to get off a little serious and to get on to, you know, gossip figures into this as well. And that is something that I, I, I know it figures into some of your other novels as well. It's one of the things that um, 
what people say, I'm sort of naive, sort of like Kara is. Sometimes I just accept what somebody says, but gossip is a real uh, mind scrambler. How fun is the gossip for you? It's so much fun. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I will never stop writing about it. <laughs> I, I know we probably should be saying, you know, gossip is bad, but I have to tell you, gossip's really good to read. <laughs> it is. It's fun. And it's just so, it's so human. It is. It is. And I do, you know, one of the things I did think about is, you know, sometimes someone says, oh, Dan's wearing a red shirt. You can see I'm wearing a black shirt, but if someone says it's red long enough, people begin to believe Dan was wearing a red shirt. And I think that that's one of, that's once again, true to life because gossip just, it has a way of growing legs and just going out in every direction. Yeah. <laughs> oh, May, do you have a website or social media you would like to share? Yeah, my website is www.maycobb.com, M-A-Y-C-O-B-B.com. And I'm on Instagram the most, and that's um, at May underscore Cobb. I don't think it gets more direct than that, does it? No. <laughs> Once again, the book is A Likeable Woman by May Cobb. And I can honestly say it is definitely a likable woman. You Dan. Thank much for having me. This was such a blast. Truly. It was so fun. Thank you, May, for joining me. Hang on for me just a second. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Out with Dan. You can find more information about this podcast and its host at outwithdan.com, on Twitter at outwithdan, and on Instagram and Facebook at gooutwithdan. This podcast is hosted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and the theme music is provided by bensound.com. Join us again soon for the next episode of Out with Dan.